Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this is Cesar Pliqueta. this is william this is ali riley hi this is ruben off the cheek and you're listening to the london is blue podcast Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and I cover all of Chelsea's latest matches, team news, and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you for being an awesome listener, and with no further delay, let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. Dan here, Brandon, has to do something. We'll just kind of leave it as that question mark man of mystery international man of mystery but we have nick here we have mike here who was not able to say anything on the last podcast mike you found a voice what would you like to say i did um i would like to say as on behalf of all americans i'm <clears throat> hoping to see the rams win tonight so uh come on yep. Come I'm on. going. I'm going to attempt the best reverse jinx of all time and hope that the. I'm going to say that the Patriots probably lost, and the Rams probably beat them very handily. And I am going to just assume that I should be sad as we record this episode, since we're recording it on Sunday morning East uh, on Sunday morning East Coast and Pacific time. So we would just like to, uh, you know, apologize to uh, all of New England. We're sorry that it didn't work out. And hopefully that puts enough karmic reverse jinx into action to see the true results, you know, come into fruition. It's also uh, Sunday morning in, in the Midwest where I live, so I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> uh, we call them flyover states. Flyover yeah. states. Anyway. Uh, and, and when you fly over, the wafting of barbecue that makes it up to your plane <laughs> will bring you right back down for a quick pit stop. Uh, I'm going to tell you that the ability for the wafting <laughs> to transition from base level to 30,000 feet, kind of uh, practically yeah. impossible there, Nicholas. It's very impressive what we do in the Midwest. Very impressive. So, Dan, you're saying there is a chance. <laughs> no, there's no chance. But anyway, we are going to go through your social media questions that we got after the match. 
We did review the match with Liam, so if you're listening on Tuesday and you haven't yet heard the recap we did with Liam Toomey, who is the Chelsea correspondent for ESPN, please go back and check that out. And obviously, since we record back-to-back, no new iTunes reviews, go leave a five-star review. No new Patreon members at this point in time, but hey, you know what? Sign up and join uh, because we have a wonderful Discord channel we're running now where we do match day commentary. We do uh, episode discussions of people you want to have like a group of people to discuss the episodes with and some really, really just insightful conversation going on there. So that would be a wonderful reason to sign up on Patreon. But we got questions from our Patreon members that we want to go into. And so, Mike, since you had no voice in the first podcast, we are going to go to you first as right of privilege. And we had a comment here from Aaron saying this was a great performance from the guys, but we all have to remember it's just a bottom of the table Huddersfield we were playing against. That being said, three points in the bag that all has mattered. I'm concerned for Barkley, though, because he could have had a goal today himself. So why don't you kind of walk us through your feelings about uh, Barkley and that not goal that didn't happen? You know, I, I got to give a shout out to Aaron here for having a reasonable take um, between somewhere between the sky is falling and we're going to win the league. So um, I would agree, you know, three points was key. We're doing our job. And, and, and Dan, where you said that, or you tweeted out that, you know, with United winning uh, or beating Leicester, that it's going to make our top four more difficult. I think that we just need to focus on what we can do and not worry about other teams. You know, we'll face them. We'll, we'll have a couple six point swings. Uh, as we go on the road to take on some of the top four. So um, as far as Barkley, I, you know, um, I think that Barkley has done a great job trying to accommodate uh, Sari's vision for him in the system. I think he's a little bit more attacking, and, and I think he doesn't quite flow as smoothly as I think we'd all like to see him because I think he's he's doing a lot of thinking and not, like, just plain um but i i have hope that he will that he'll do okay um when he's you know he took a couple of those shots and i think he encourages the rest of the team to actually um play more aggressively and 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 i just i hope we find a way to work him into the into the equation a little bit better to suit his strengths nick what what are your thoughts i thought he played better against huddersfield um what was encouraging to me was that he was driving the ball forward and uh, he went on a couple of, of 30 40 yard runs with the ball because i think at times he was the forgotten man yesterday so huddersfield mm-hmm. didn't know exactly how to defend him and he was able to drive into space and i think that anytime you can do that and anytime golo does that or ruben does that or barkley does that that it opens up space for everyone else because it draws attention. So you can't double or triple everybody. Right. And so if you're if you're paying special attention to Eden or to William or to Iguain, uh, it'll draw a couple players in, and, and I think that allows for more fluid play. So it's something that was needed. Um, I was really worried about him before that performance, so I'm, I'm glad to see that he played really well. And uh, look, he's, he's still a project. He, he didn't play consistent football for... A period of like two and a half years so um i'm not overly bullish that he's going to be the answer in that uh, in that position I, I still think that's really up for grabs especially as um it appears that kovacic is now our, our back, backup regista um so 
we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I was encouraged by his performance then. Yeah, I think it looked like he was playing under the assumption in the first 45 minutes that if he was not up to snuff that he was going to get the hook at some point in the game. And after halftime comes back out, starts playing a little bit more into the, you know, really just absorbing the game, starting to grow within it and maybe got the advance notice that he was not likely to be the first person to get subbed out or even be subbed at any point in the, the match. So maybe that was a little bit of a confidence builder for him there. And he was able to, to take it, by the neck and uh, and run with it. So I think it was really good to see him get that full 90, and I think we're excited to see what else he could do. Daniel, great name, on Patreon, also coming up with saying, I'm sick and tired of F uh, ampersand, uh, dollar sign, at symbol, ing, tired of hearing about how Conte is being misused in this system. He's brilliant wherever he's deployed with the exception of that blank show against Bournemouth a few days back. Good game today, but as the manager says, I hope they don't have to lose again to find proper motivation. So, Nick, are, are you excited, not excited? How are you feeling about N'Golo Conte, the man who redefines positions? He's he's just the man. I, like I, I, There's not a harder working player in the Premier League. Um, there's not a better human in the Premier League. I genuinely feel like by the end of this year, you know, that he would have done something that is very, very, very hard to do, which is transitioning from a box to box destroyer with very little um, requirement for goal scoring or assisting to a player who's not only in charge of uh, keeping the high press and, and closing down players and winning the ball in advanced areas, but also to contribute with goals and assists. And as Dan said in part one, he now has four of each of those. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's incredible. If, if you were asked to do one thing for most of your career and then in one season your boss said, hey, actually we need you to do this whole other thing that could be really, really hard and challenging, and you just went out there and you worked at it, um, you know, he, he's doing that and it's, it may not be perfect yet. He may, you know, still be hesitant to shoot at times. Uh, but I think he's transitioning in front of our eyes into someone who can really impact the game in the final third. And that that's really, really impressive, Mike. Yeah. You know, I, <clears throat> I think it's a pretty good take. And, um, for me, I, I really like the, the growth and the development that we're seeing from Angolo. I think, you know, uh, the French national team is going to be excited anytime, you know, even as a professional player, if you can work on an aspect of your game um, and improve yourself, uh, you know you, you're you're creating a situation in which you're just developing yourself further. And as much as I love N'Golo and I love the destruction and, and his ability to you know run for days, I think that he was missing a key aspect of of his game in which you're a soccer player. You need to make good passes. You need to be able to, you know, rip a shot occasionally. And I think being able to combine these things together and and make a a more rounded player um, and even even the aspect of you you still have to step out to him because he is an occasional threat. It's going to open up uh, that defensive third for us um, or the offensive third. because teams can't not cover him. I remember sometimes we had the situation with Maddich in which teams would barely step out to him when we had the ball because they knew that he was going to struggle to pass or that he wasn't going to take a shot. So you almost don't have to defend him. And I think this is going to to change the game for us. Um, And I would agree with Dan's take. I'm kind of tired of people who 
are telling, you know, the coach how to run a system. I, I know we all have our opinions, but you know, there's a reason why Sari is a professional manager and that we're all not. So sometimes just have a little faith and, you know, let's let's give him a season to see what what system he can develop and, you know, potentially a couple windows to get the players to implement it. Dan? So what I'm hearing is Mike is ready for Mauricio Sari to be gone and Frank Lampard to be instilled as manager at Chelsea oh, Football God. Club. Very excited for you to tweet at Mike and let him know how upset you are with that take. Give him uh, five reasons why you want to see him removed from the show. Uh, But we will have (laughs) another question here. JL Hines saying, yo, yo, these are hazard-centric comments questions. Do you guys see how dirty Eden was at juggling an American football? There was a uh, social media post, if you haven't seen it, in partnership for the Super Bowl in William Hill where – and Hazard, I think, pops off about 25 little ta- you know, keepy-ups of the ball before dropping it and hitting it right on the crossbar. Second, though, would be how good is Thorgan? Got to watch his game day, and he had a beaut. Chidge and the kiddo are mentioning on their Friday show bringing Zidane in to appease Eden, if Hazard, uh, Eden Hazard if sorry did leave. Just how crazy to be thinking that far ahead. To be fair, this was before today's performance and coming off the Bournemouth disaster. Uh, I know, Nick, that Eden did say... That, you know, obviously connected with Real occasionally, so Zidane wasn't necessarily the factor that, you know, he has mentioned his affection for Zidane, but, you know, Madrid is Madrid, it's not a matter of who's kind of the manager there, so I guess, how good is Thorgan Hazard, and what do you think about Zidane as a backup for Sarri? I I do not comment on prospective managers, Uh, that's just useless to me, Um, no one knows how good uh, Zidane is as a manager because he had the most talented team in Europe for three years. So um, that's ridiculous. Uh, I think, you know, if Hazard wants to leave, he'll leave. If he wants to stay, he'll stay. And the sooner we get that resolved, the better uh, for everyone. Uh, I do um, I do think that Thorgan is developing into quite the, quite the young pair, though. And um, I am not 100% sure, so we'll have to do some fact-checking on this if Chelsea have the option of a buyback at some point, but he uh, would certainly uh, warrant that as he is uh, scoring for fun in the Bundesliga. All right, Brett with the question here, saying Mauricio and Sarri um, seem to work well together. How may, um, Mar- Mauricio and Sarri? I think he meant Gonzalo Higuain and Sarri. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm Both I'm just I'm reading, the comment. I'm reading well, the comment. I'm reading the comment. It's not Mauricio with a Z, so maybe there is a Mauricio that I am Ron Burgundy question <laughs> mark. Uh, how many goals do you think we need from Higuain to secure a top four? When we signed him, I said ten. What do you guys think is the number we will need from him, and how many will he actually score? So uh, it's two questions. How many goals do you think we would need from Gonzalo Higuain to accomplish a top four finish in the Premier League, and how many will he actually score? in relation to that. So, Mike, what are your thoughts? How many will he score, and how many does he need to score? And are they the same? Uh, man, that that's a tough question. Um, I'm going to stick with the 13 goals that I said uh, previously. Um, as far as how many will we need to score, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a firm believer that we, if we want to win matches and we want to hold on to our top four spot, I think we need to be scoring about at least two goals a game. I think when we score two goals, we're at least holding on to a draw. You know, there's the occasional game that we've conceded more, but um, I don't think we're a team, you know, we're not the Chelsea teams of the past that are going to win one nothing. Um, so 
two, you know, two, two and a half goals per game, I think will get us uh, into the Champions League next year. So my hope is that, you know, kind of what we saw uh, against Huddersfield, that Gonzalo um, motivates uh, Hazard to step up his game and maybe we kind of get a goals race between the two of them or they feed off of that energy. And, you know, we have, you know, Eden only needing to score a goal or Gonzalo scoring a goal and somebody else from the team stepping up to hit us to get that two, that magic two goal mark. So that, so, that's my thoughts. So yeah. that would mean that with 13 matches remaining, two goals a match, 26 goals, Totally, Higuain yeah. scored two, so you're saying we need 11 more goals, which puts him at about 40% plus contribution. So, Nick, yep. do you think that's realistic, that Gonzalo Higuain would contribute about 45% of the remaining goals for, for Chelsea this season? It seems like that would be too over, overly reliant on Higuain if we think that we're going to score two goals a game for the remainder of the season. That's what you brought him here for. Um, I, I mean... I, I said 12 uh, a couple weeks ago, so I'll stick with my prediction there. And, um, you know, 13 matches doesn't provide a ton of time for him, uh, but it's still still there. I, you know, I would guess that we need at least 10 from him and contribution uh, from others. Um, but, yeah, we need to score as many goals as humanly possible to stay in the top four. Our run is rough. We You know, we still have City away. Um, we play City in the in the I know in the League Cup final. Uh, we still have Liverpool away. We still have Man United away. Uh, so this is not an easy end of the season stretch for sure. And uh, it's it's not only about you know in my mind where you know the, the number that he scores because if he, if he scores four against Leicester at the end of the year, it might not matter. It's about scoring goals in big games, and so. The three I outlined there, I, I would hope that he would at least get a goal in each one of those to give us a chance. Yeah, I think about that. So that you know means that he probably you know is least on pace for about another six or seven. So he's going to get close, I think, to that ten goal amount. I don't know how how high he'll go over that, considering there's thirteen matches. So you're you were saying you know, if you're going to get him into double digits, that he's scoring an eight out of the thirteen remaining Premier League matches which, you know, is going to be, you know, around just over 60%, which is doable, definitely doable. But we'd love to hear your thoughts. How many goals do you think Higuain will score the remainder of the Premier League season? We're not going to include the Real League and League Cup and FA Cup competitions because that's right, Chelsea are still, at least at this point, one of the only other teams, Man City, in all four competitions that they started the season in at this point. We will go to some reactions, though, after the match. Eric Barnes saying, are we going to win the league now? To which one is Blue Podcast, I'm guessing on Facebook, because I don't remember posting this on Twitter, said yes with the uh, WWE uh, absolutely <sighs> exceptional gif where the guy just throws the arms up in the air and says, yes, Michael. Daniel Bryan, Dan. It's Daniel Bryan. It's a fellow Daniel, and you, and you screwed it up. I don't, I don't <laughs> my, my wrestling knowledge, like, stops with, like, Smackdown in the like the early two thousands. Oh wow! I'm like Jake the Snake. That that's that's when I stopped watching <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> uh, someone else saying that can we play Huddersfield every week? I think the response that I actually had to this on Twitter is sure we can play a team like Huddersfield every week if we go down and are in the championship next season. So let's oh. avoid that. 
happens. Oh, it's, that's the reality. Oh. Like, if you want to go play a Huddersfield level competition every week, go to the championship. It did not work out for Aston Villa when they tried that tactic, though. So just keep that in mind. Um, Coincidence or good omen, according to R. Dale Hall, on 2 2 19, two players score two goals each, and their jerseys are 10 plus 9 equal 19. Hashtag X Files theme song. I do believe, Nick. I do believe. I, yeah, that, look, that's a little freaky um, there. So that, I don't know. I'm not a big X Files guy, though. Who remembers what that sounds like? Anyone? Did I ruin the momentum of this question? We're just, I'm, just, I'm just going to leave you to hang for a little yeah, bit, I, and we're going to... I apologize to, to, our, to our friend Ardale Hall. I, I got to be honest with you, I'm not a big sci-fi guy. That's more of Dan's realm. Oh, uh, anyway, so we had one from uh, Sun DK, uh, KMath36. Should we be excited about this five-goal performance, or do we just think it's one of the, against one of the worst teams in the league? We covered that in part one, that they have only scored 13 goals so far this season and could not put one past us. Uh, and then LewisM92 underscore Trailblazers on Instagram say, despite being a bottom team of the league, um, but is this a sign of more to come? Do you think this portends well for us, Michael? Uh, buckle up. Um, I don't think that this is going to mean that everything has changed. Um, but I do think enough is changing that we're in a better spot today than we were previously. Um, you know, just to jump back into the Iguain scoring goals, if he can continue to, I think, much more importantly, get that early that early goal in the you know fifteenth to thirtieth minute, I think that changes the momentum of games. Um, and if we can get a couple goals in early, I think we will start letting teams know that there's not room for them to come back. And I think, um, much like some of the other bigger clubs, teams will shut down and save their energy for their next, next match as opposed to pushing on for uh, an equalizer or a, a winner um, like we've allowed this past season. Nick? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wish I could be more confident here that this is going to be the thing that spurns us on. But, I mean, our schedule is just really difficult and being in four competitions still you know obviously the the league cup final is coming up so we'll be out of that one way or the other but it's just not going to be a straightforward path through the end of the year i mean what what you hope for is that the team shows fight and Mm -hmm. and wants to wants to compete in all this all these matches doesn't take anything for granted um if they do that i will we'll probably be okay but um we haven't seen that enough consistently this year to believe that that's just going to magically happen all of a sudden. So uh, not to be the bearer of bad news, but that's just kind of how I view those things. All right. So we had a couple of questions about sorry ball in specific. So Larry on Facebook, we had Malcolm on, on uh, Instagram there. We had our friend Corey on uh, Twitter, uh, all asking kind of around sorry ball. You know, uh, Larry's comment, though, was it looked almost like schoolyard football, mostly instinct and skill. I love every second of it. Why haven't we done this more? Uh, Is it forcing a system or is it a lack of motivation that keeps us from getting these results, Mike? Uh, I'm sorry to say this, Larry, but you're wrong. This was very much. This was very much. much? You know, this was the sorry ball um, that we discussed in the summer and, and moving forward. Um, there were multiple times we pressed very, very high. Uh, I remember watching around the 70th minute, um, both 
um, Conte and Barkley were pushing up on players, you know, in conjunction, sprinting to shut down passes, you know, making Huddersfield turn the ball over in their end. Um, quick movement, quick passing, very direct, you know, vertical movement as opposed to just short, slow, horizontal passes. This is, I think this is much more what um, Sari had in mind when he's trying to implement a system. So I think that it's a huge cop out to try and say that we finally, you know, we play a, a good game and then that somehow this isn't the system. His system is meant to be free flowing. And what we've had in the past month plus is different. And, you know, we took a huge gamble by playing Eden in the false nine and it resulted in the striker that, um, I guess his system was begging for. So, that's a great move, and we'll see what happens from here. But I do think this is what we should expect to see more often. Nick? Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think maybe where Larry was coming from is that the instinct and skill area, just there hasn't been a, a killer instinct this year. And, and I think that was on display yesterday. It was not on display on Wednesday. So you can't, you know, be overly confident that this is kind of where we're at. But yeah, like if, if we have a confident Eden Hazard and a, a really confident, um, Gonzalo Higuain uh, leading the the line for us. You know, I I think we're going to be just fine in terms of goal output. Um, and then there are other areas of the team that you could probably make a comment on that need to step up their game to kind of match that level. But uh, that's that's where I kind of feel like we have the opportunity coming up. It'll just be if that actually comes to fruition yeah people people made runs into the box i mean and and sometimes more than one player running into the box i mean it was shocking so it's the you know how many teams have or how many times have we seen um crosses go into the box where there's either maybe one player or just no one there so i think that as we know everyone needs to buy in and i think if eden's buying in and if gonzalo's buying in i think that helps anyone else who's not there be motivated to buy in. Well, we definitely have a lot of thoughts on Sorry Ball. I think ultimately the fact that we can execute it comes down to just being able to move the ball way, way faster than we do currently. I think what you see is when it starts to fail is when people start taking a little too much time making decisions and some of the Napoli clip, uh, uh, clips that people have continued to reshare after the Bournemouth match to show the aspirational idea of what Sorry Ball actually is as what we saw more of in this match. Again, I don't think it's perfect. I think when we had Liam on in part one, he talked about the quote from Sorry in the press conference saying that for 25 minutes or whatever duration of time, I saw my football and the fact that we're still not seeing it even in his mind for full durations of the game mean that there's it's a work in progress, that we haven't completed the project yet and that we're going to continue to see this philosophy philosophy become integrated into what the players do. And yeah, that's uh that's where we're at. Any other thoughts on Sorry Ball before I transition us off? Last call. Um I think the like the major part that I kind of witnessed yesterday and I, I tried to articulate this in part one would be the fullbacks had a lot more license to roam. Part part of that I think was the system working effectively. The other part is that uh Huddersfield offered absolutely nothing um, kind of going back outside of those like 20 minutes in the first half. So I don't feel like Dave or Alonzo were particularly threatened, um, you know, to, to have to track back as much, but 
there was a lot of good overlap, and, and you saw Dave especially, I think, really working to interchange with William and get him behind. And, I mean, if you do that and you have a, a striker who kind of can time his run, those, like, cutback balls across the, the box, Mike, are, are going to be there. And, you know, you just hope that we're able to bury a couple of those in a match. Yeah, you're right. I mean, those, those are the opportunities. That's how – I mean, it's going to sound dumb, but those are – Cutbacks and 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 what like the way we saw uh, Bournemouth score against us. That's how you score in FIFA and like soccer video games. Those are the easier ways to you know you cut a ball across to a man on the far side and he can put it in. So we definitely need to make games easier on us. I my my concern is that we know that headed into a tough schedule, especially on the road against better competition. Dave and Alonso are not going to be freed up, right? Jorginho is going to be pressed. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how we adapt. And, and I think what is going to make and potentially break uh, Mauricio's career here at Chelsea is how does he take his vision, you know, what, what I would imagine is a two- or three-year plan, um, but how does he get through the first year? to get to that second and third year because you know anybody who's who's played you know you play a lot you know you play on teams you know adult teams and stuff like that there's a lot of people who have ideas on tactics and how we should play I remember I was playing with some dude and he was like well Real Madrid do this and I'm like yeah we're we're 20 and 30 year olds who are playing for fun here like they do it because they're professionals and but because also those systems have you know very specific players and I think what Napoli had that we don't have sometimes is some of the speed and until we can bring in those specific players to really make that system work Mauricio is going to have to come up with a better way I think specifically to shore up the defense Um, yeah I don't know about you Mike but I know that Nick plays Barcelona level when he goes out to the pitch (laughs) so I'm sorry that you and your team can't execute on those that methodology but uh you know I am very fast I think everyone knows that (laughs) it's just got to get that momentum right yeah yeah. Yeah, the the speed the speed in which that elbow moves the glass up to the lips is quite fast it's uh exceptional it's it's called having fast twitch muscles, Dan. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right. Well, here's a quick break before we get into a few more questions from y'all on social media. All right. So you're listening to this podcast right now, London is Blue. And guess what? We host our podcast on anchor.fm. That's right. If you're looking to host your own podcast, this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool that allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast, as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. So we did talk a lot about our new Argentinian target man, our new striker, Gonzalo Higuain, but we had a lot of questions from social media about him as well. Uh, Miguel on Facebook, we had Lucas, Chad, next, uh, next son David, next round son David. Okay. Um, all asking about, it's great to see a striker flourishing in Chelsea colors once again. Do you think we can get the most out of him given our current squad? Uh, do you think the link-up play between attempted and completed between him and Hazard was great? I, I think Lucas has a really good question there, Nick, in the regards to 
the link up play and the relationship because Eden has talked about what it's like to play with a top striker and definitely did a like a verbal subtweet when he didn't mention Murata in talking about top strikers. So how do you feel like that <laughs> came across in the match today? Um, I, I think I think it was good. I think it has a chance to get better. I think uh, one of the one of the things that I was a little bit annoyed with yesterday actually was uh, around uh, some of the misplaced passes from McVeigh. Actually, uh, so I think he's still obviously working his way into the system. And after a five 0 win, you can't really be that harsh on a guy, but. Um, it looked to me like they were starting to develop the overlapping relationship or uh, or Iguain was starting to hold the ball up and then make a quick turn. And I think that's where um, like Olivier Giroud and, and Murata and others have really struggled is they'll, they'll get the ball with their back to goal, but they don't make the turn quick enough to really take a center back away. And uh, it looks like they were starting to do that a little bit yesterday. So overall, Mike, I thought it was pretty good. I think that was a chance to get way better. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I'm very, very optimistic. I loved um, – you can tell when Eden's really having fun and, and enjoying his football. And you can kind of I, – I got this feeling, especially after like his second goal, that he's really embracing playing with a, another very high-level player. And I think offensively that – I don't know, man. You could see the joy in his face, and he's happy. And and so much of teams defensively, your game plan changes if you're just facing Eden Hazard or if you're having to face multiple threats. And we have been so very one-dimensional that has been made it very easy to isolate him outside the box with a double team or you know, and that third defender waiting to come over to help if he can split those guys. That I think it makes Eden's life very hard, and he kind of has to make the decision of, do I just make a pass? You know, do I pass it laterally or pass back, or do I you know take another hard foul, trying to make something out of nothing in which somebody might not even be making a run for me. So hopefully. Um, what this is going to do is it's going to take some of that mental um, kind of questioning if he should go, you know, 100% and just kind of allow him to play freely and have fun. And and that's what we know is that's that's how he gets to the top of his game is enjoying himself and, and you know, doing what he does best. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't think this means that everything's fixed or that Iguain's the greatest striker in the world, but I think his ability to turn quickly and rip a shot uh, clinically, I think it's going to be such a difference. Dan? Yeah, we, we can clip that one in two ways. We can clip that as you think Higuain is the ba- greatest striker of all time or that you have severe doubts and Higuain <laughs> is ability to be a top striker. Uh, and I'll leave that up to the editing team to figure yeah. out exactly how we should, uh, sh- should put that out there. Um, all right, another topic that we had was Kovacic. We had a couple questions here. Our friend Shane on our Discord as a part of the Patreon rewards was asking, what are your long-term thoughts as Kovacic as the deputy to the Regista role? Does this affect how Chelsea should approach the end of his loan spell? We also had similar questions from our friend uh, Couch Critic on Twitter and then also uh, D Mangali on, uh, on Instagram. So what do we think in terms of you know, the deputization of the Regista role by, you know, sorry for Kovacic in, in this match day. It feels like the, the deputy to the Regista role is like the assistant to the regional manager <laughs> from the office. <laughs> assistant regional manager. Yeah, no, no, the assistant to the regional manager. 
Um, you know, until I see it for a full match or two, I, I don't really know. Uh, I think it looks okay. Uh, you know, if he, and and I think the thing that people are trying to figure out is um, if if neither Jorginho or Kovacic are going to offer any sort of goal threat, can you afford to play them both in a match? And and I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, if we're, if we're that hungry for goals, maybe not. Um, and you know, if if uh, Kovacic's uh, fitness is only about a sixty minute level in the Premier League, then maybe that he he becomes a, a super sub or or something like that through the end of the year. Um, I think he's a really good player, but I, I just want to understand kind of where he's best suited and if it is this uh, assistant to the regional manager or assistant to the deputy to the regista role, then, um, you know, I, I would be fine with that. If that meant that Ruben maybe got a little bit more time uh, to play Mike. I, well, I, I want to interrupt because I think it's the first time like during a recording where we actually came up with the art for Mike to do for oh, the podcast for sure. episode yeah. where we'll have a, 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 you know, a screen grab of Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute, and you'll have Jorginho and Kovacic's faces just plastered on, like A+, A++, would do again. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. Um, But to get back to the point of Kovacic, um, I'm I'm optimistic. And and I I look at it because I think at times we've overplayed Jorginho, um, and there were some real uh, concerns between what the team looked like with or without him early on, you know, um, during our run, we were saying, is this really sorry ball or is this Jorginho ball? Because he seemed to be making everything work. And, and we were much, we we're such a different team without him, especially from a possession, uh, point of view. Um, I think that Kovacic can definitely, uh, do a job in that role, um, with his, ability to really kind of stick in some good tackles it might shore us up defensively I think you know as we look uh, to be playing City away uh, this upcoming week you know maybe if Jorginho is struggling maybe it allows us to to change things up maybe we bring on Kovacic and he brings an aspect to the game um, to make us a little tougher uh, and not let the the play run straight down the center as we saw it happen against Bournemouth Um, you know some of my thoughts I was curious as to I feel like we always like you alluded to we have the situation of can we play both of them on, at the same time and then there's always the question of like what happens to Ruben what do we need to do to get Ruben on the field and and I was always a little bit curious of like you know we talk Ampadu we talk Kovacic but why why is there any do we think that Ruben maybe has a role you know he has that offensive eye to really kind of direct the offense from the back so I haven't seen many people say it, but Dan or Nick, do either of you have any opinions as giving Ruben a shot at Regista? Uh, I, I, no. I wouldn't. I, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I think he's much more suited for one of those attacking roles. Um, but, you know, I think if we were – the options of, of Regista to me are, are Jorginho 1, Kovacic 2, and in and, and a pinch, um, you know, probably Ampadu, um, which would be – just fine with me. I, I also think Ampadu is probably more suited for one of those more marauding roles as well. Um, so yeah, it's a couple of square pegs and round holes there, but I, I do think, you know, Ruben will, will find his, the success that he needs to by driving forward at goal and, and that uh, Regista role just won't allow him to do that. Okay. So that's just my take, Dan. Yeah. I, I think ultimately 
the the question man, that Shane asked too is how does this affect the end of the loan spell? If we do end up figuring out that Kovacic does work as a backup option, you know, and, and we feel comfortable in the way that he executes in the midfield, the midfield is finding ways to contribute goals and you know, Golo Kante eventually becomes the <laughs> eight ten a goal per season individual, um, which would solve a lot of our midfield goal problems that you can kind of that allow someone else to be in there that maybe doesn't have the same goal threat, even though they are trying to determine who is going to win the bet between you two of Jorginho and Kovacic getting the first goal. Like there have been some attempts here. They're they're really, they are trying that header midweek was definitely close to it. Uh, Should have been in Jorginho kind of is, is willing to take a shot now on here there. And yeah, I, I'm really, I still think it's probably not going to happen. Like I still think we won't sign Kovacic to a a full-time position here with the amount of midfield talent we have the fact that we're going to have to figure out where do we want to use our foreign player spots you know if we're gonna you know still keep like a Willie Caballero here who doesn't count as a homegrown individual if we you know have to use one on a goalkeeper you probably bring back a midfielder so that if you were going to add an additional attacking player you know that Pulisic is going to be obviously an international player you're going to have maybe a new striker in addition to maybe if you keep Higuain. So I just don't see a world where even if he does do a good job at backing him up, that we don't look to another option potentially as a long-term solution versus Kovacic in this one-year appearance. Because he's going to want to play too. He's going to want to be a starter, which is why he left Real Madrid and came to explore this opportunity within Chelsea. And, you know, I think ultimately the best thing would be is that if we discover that he's not the right fit for us, that he contributes to us being, you know, achieving what we need to this season and that he puts himself in a position to get a permanent transfer to a type of team that will take best use of his skill set. Yeah, and and let's be honest, uh, Kovacic is here for one reason, one reason only. It's Madrid wants to leverage him to help secure Eden Hazard. So I think that if he's here next season, it's because Eden won't be. Um, You know, maybe it's a bit of a hot take, but, you know, I like him, but I think we're also going to have to make a real decision of, you know, like even in a perfect world where Eden's not even part of, you know, him moving or whatnot, Madrid's going to want at least $40 million for him. Uh, And I think we have to make that decision of like, can we use that money better to to spend it on a player where we're not saying like, well, he can do a job here? You know, I, I think we've 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 spent a lot of money on players that are fifty fifty, or we're not quite sure they can kind of do a job. And I'd rather see us, you know, supplement with younger players or um, people we have existing, and then you know, spend a hundred million dollars on an, another elite player. Nick, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, certainly if if the if the role determines that he, you know, there's not realistically a, a good starting spot for him, then you know, you know I, I don't know how much leverage Real Madrid actually has. Um, you know, that that would be a, a concern that I would voice. I mean, it, it it appears to me like his lack of goal scoring is going to become a problem mm-hmm. because you know, as much as I you know was was effusive in my praise for N'Golo Conte. Earlier, you know, four goals and four, four assists is nothing to laugh at, but it's also not, you know, kind of elite levels that I think we'll need to to succeed. So, if you're sacrificing a little bit of 
offensive uh, prowess to keep N'Golo on the field, keep that energy up, get that high press going, and to win the ball in the attacking areas, then that other left-sided midfielder position has to do you know, equal or, or more heavy lifting from a goal-scoring standpoint. And we just haven't seen that consistently this year. So, you know, if if that's not Kovacic, then I would actually be skeptical at how much leverage Real Madrid have if we keep this current system in place. So, and who knows? Like, I mean, a lot can happen between now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, the point that you made, Mike, though, about not spending on squad slash rotational players is probably the, the key argument there, that ultimately if you're going to need to replace Eden Hazard, and that's hopefully not what happens. But if you do, that it's going to be by a committee. There's no one player, you know, maybe outside of an Accardi or others that you could purchase who just immediately fills in and it takes over the full impact ability that he has on a particular match. And so if you're going to have to do that, you don't necessarily want to be spending your, you know, your money or kind of, you know, again, Chelsea has made a substantial amount of money in the past couple of seasons through player sales and we're, Essentially, that would be, the you know, outside of Conte uh, and maybe Aretha Balaga, that would be one of the last big, you know, players that we could cash in on if we sell somebody. So it seems like to me it would be a waste to, you know, get Kovacic and have to give up 40, 50 million to, to get him here permanently and then you only get 50 for Hazard. It seems a little short-sighted. But we will talk about the other side of the ball because we had questions about the back four as well. Uh, Abel and Sebastian asking questions like, who would you go with next, uh, Rudy or Andreas, against our next match against Man Shitty slash City, um, who actually have just gone ahead versus Arsenal right now, 2-1, to one, which is very exciting because we definitely don't want Liverpool to win the league. Um, thoughts on Alonso compared to Emerson? Who would you start next match? So a lot of kind of questions around just, you know, what what's that appropriate lineup going to be, Nick? Who's going to be the four that we um that we count on moving forward i don't know man i think that's really tough um i i was actually kind of surprised uh that andreas played so well um even though huddersfield offered so very little in attack i i think he did play really well so my point in, in part one was that our our center backs will likely need to be rotated over the next month or two there, there are too many matches. There are too many big matches. And, you know, you may see combinations of Luis Rudiger, Luis Christensen, Rudiger Christensen uh, all over. And and you just hope that they're all in training enough, able to understand each other, and, and everyone's comfortable there. So that, that would be take on center backs. I do think that because of the, you know, like if, if the system was played appropriately and you saw Alonso get forward a lot today, um, then he's going to need a break too. So like, I think there has to be rotation between both of them. And I would even go, I would even maybe move to an every other uh, approach with our left backs. One to get both experience uh, playing this, you know, whatever this sorry ball is supposed to be. And then two, uh, because, you know, I think the, the wear and tears is going to be too much to have a consistent starter there. Um, especially if there's not that much difference between the two. So, that's that's kind of my take on the back line, and I hope it's consistent enough to uh, to win us games. So another question was around uh, miscellaneous here. I hate these roller coaster rides that we've been having this season. What do we do to make the team consistent? And that was from uh, Baba Co- uh, Kobe on 
Twitter. So any thoughts on stopping the roller coaster? How do we make it not a roller coaster, not an amusement park ride, Mike? You, you can't. This, this is the game. This is, this is what happens. I mean, there are ways that we can, you know, players can buy in more. You know, sorry can be maybe a little bit more tactically flexible. But uh, this is just, this is a rebuilding season. And we've forgotten that due to a really, really hot start. Um, but the goal has always been fourth play or, you know, top four. And um, I think even like when you look at some of our biggest wins and some of our biggest losses, they're just they're kind of one offs. Like we're not going to n- completely fold in a, in a second half again like we did against Bournemouth. You know, I think, you know, when you look at City, we played, uh, you know, they didn't have Aguero. They didn't, you know, they they had plenty of opportunities that they did not uh, weren't able to, you know, score on and so i think this is a weird hodgepodge of a season i think we just have to be okay with it not being okay and realize that we're building towards something and if we're in the same spot next year then we've got we've got real problems but i think given a full off season given the ability to bring in a few more players especially what i hope are really high level players that we start seeing the system that we all want to see um and I mean, you know, like like Nick was saying with Emerson and Alonzo, it's tough. Or Christensen and Rudiger, like this is a one-off game. I I thought Christensen played well. I don't think he's will play as well as he did today against City. I don't think he should even get the start. I think we need to look at speed. Uh, I think maybe we play Emerson because. We hope to counterbalance their speed and maybe use him for a count. You know, we're going to have a lot less possession, but I don't know. I just, as supporters, we need to support the team and and try and not just go apeshit uh, over losses or, or things that are happening because we really don't have any control. So the control we have is is, you know, how we deal with the next 14 games in the league so let's talk about that we'll pivot here to taking a look at the next match versus man city and daniel on twitter asking uh, which chelsea team will show up next sunday against city uh city right now uh, at least at this point are ahead of arsenal 2-1 so that's going to take them up to 59 points which will be uh they will have you know liverpool will have a game in hand but they'll be two points off of liverpool trying to do the Lord's work and preventing a collapse of every other of the 19 teams watching the worst possible outcome of this potential Premier League season. I don't know. It's kind of split between Tottenham or Liverpool winning the league. It's both awful. So uh, enemy of the enemy is thy friend. Um, But Nick, how do you feel like this match versus City is going to go and what concerns do you have heading into it? Concerns me never. I wouldn't have a. I wouldn't have a concern. I should have gotten a Mike. Mike would have had you know a couple of hot takes. <laughs> uh, no, I. I let this is uh, this is going to be interesting. You know, I, as much as you know, we've kind of had up and down. You know, month and a half. I. I don't necessarily think that City have been playing their best either. Um, now playing up at. The Etihad is a whole different deal, and we have to be cognizant of that. Uh, they, you know, that that team up there plays a little bit differently than on the road. So, 
Uh, I, I would in, I would be encouraged if Maurizio plays a little bit more of a passive style of football here, um, a little bit more defensive, uh, drop deep, let our speed up front really uh, own the day, hopefully see some long balls over the top of uh, a city defense that still isn't you know brilliant by any means. And, and I think we might have a chance here. I mean, if I'm honest, a draw would be a great result for us. So... Um, not that I'm hoping for a draw. I always hope for a win, but I think if we were to get a draw, I'd, I'd be just okay with that, Mike. Yeah, I, I think we need to be reasonable. Um, points, some points is better than no points. Um, you know, we keep our goal differential intact, and um, yeah, we need to be strategic about just. It's that tough situation where you look at those last those last matches. We you know kind of circle key things and say we can't drop points here we need to win games here and I think any expectations that somehow just because you know City's a good team regardless of of their run of form in the last you know month or so uh, they still have all the weapons that are dangerous at any point and to think that we should just we have some right to waltz in uh, especially to their home and and, and walk away with all three points uh, especially after beating them earlier this season um, I think it, that's a huge ask. So I hope, I hope um, that we can walk away with a point. I think that would be great. Um, and again, I, it's to me, it's all about keeping the momentum. I, I'm, I'm optimistic because I believe that this is the first or the second time this season where we haven't had a midweek match. So um, it gives us some time to really, uh, you know, have what Conte had in the 16-17 season is a legitimate striker. And, um, you know, a week between matches to, to plan and, and figure out how to do well or do best in the league. Dan? So uh, the thing that concerns me most is that goals come from anywhere at Man City. And they've scored mm-hmm. over 60 goals this season. It's the most in the Premier League. It could be Sterling. It could be Sané. It could be David Silva. It could be Aguero. It could be Jesus. You don't know where the goal the goal is going to come from but you know that some goal most likely would be scored in this game and you know we we probably will have to concede a little more possession you know this is actually the type of game where when we saw us play city the first time you know that we didn't have the most possession in, in a match so i think we need to keep that in mind that this is going to look a little different compared to what we've seen previously and you know we we ultimately played well in that Man City game in the first part of the season. So obviously, you know, Pep is another master tactician. So you think that he's going to, you know, just sit back and accept that you're going to lose two games as they are looking to contest for the title. It's not going to happen. So I imagine that he will find some wrinkle to test what Sarri's flexibility is in terms of executing appropriately to get the victory. But uh, I think ultimately it's going to come down to is Ed Nazard and Higuain, can they take, continue to take advantage of the partnership developing there? Can we get a goal from an unexpected source, uh, a Ross Barkley and a Golo Conte, more expected now than unexpected? Um, and if that happens, then I feel like we won the game. But if we are reliant solely on Ed Nazard in this match to do some magic, the tactical fouling that Pep's teams do will ensure that he is going to have a very difficult time getting it done by himself. So we're going to need some other players to draw some attention away and ultimately put us in a position to claim victory here. I would love to see Ruben Loftus-Cheek start this game in the left center mid position. Yeah. Um, 
not because I think that he is he's maybe even earned that you know kind of a big game. I'm sure Kovacic will start there, honestly. Um, but I I think there will be if we if we play the way we did against uh, City the first time at home, I think there will be plenty of space for him to run into um, between where City's midfield are and their and their back line is. That is uh, his time to shine. That's where he loves to carry the ball. That's where he loves to either distribute or try and shoot himself. I, I don't know if he's comfortable playing on the left, and I might just be talking out of my ass a little bit there, but I, I could just see that kind of premonition right now of, the, of, of there being a, a big gap of space there opening up, and uh, he might be our best player in that position. So just a, a quick thought ahead of that match. All right. Well, we want to hear your thoughts after you listen to this podcast. Tweet at us. Hit us up on Instagram, email, smoke signals, telegrams, whatever you want to do to get us the message. What do you think is going to happen as we go up to the Eddie had to play Man City and hopefully come away with three points and uh, continue our quest for finishing in the top four? So with that said, we hope you have a wonderful week. We hope that the uh, those of Boston are you know not terribly sad that the Patriots lost the Super Bowl. That's not what we hope, actually. No, that's, no. Two of the three of us actually hope that that's wrong. Um, Hoping that the reverse jinx kicked it <laughs> um, really? to this song. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and be very uh, happy or sad that it did or did not. Dan, Dan, I have two things before we close because I, I felt like you were on a closing run and I wanted to make sure to stop your momentum uh, a little bit. <laughs> like Miranda uh, grabbing the ball after... Oh, no, come on, man. No, stop it, he actually, stop he it. He broke... Uh, Madrid had a 19-game unbeaten streak heading into this match with Morata's first appearance. Uh, they, they lost today for the first time in 19 games. Yeah. Anyway, um, on to players and... and things that play for us. Um, one would be the Chelsea ladies or Chelsea women advanced um, in the FA cup today with a two nil win over Everton. So congratulations to them. I know that they suffered kind of a, a tough defeat last week to Birmingham. So um, good for them to get back on the good foot. And then apparently uh, Reese James continues to become a legend at Wigan. Um, one, one man of the match today uh, continues to play well in a deep lying midfielder role as well as at right back. It doesn't really matter where he plays. Apparently uh, Wigan fans have been all over my timeline with their effusive praise of, of Reese James. So just lovely to see him continue to, uh, to do the business. And, and hopefully that means he will get a serious chance at Chelsea in the coming year. Yeah. You know, and <clears throat> the one thing I want to bring up is that uh, it's really interesting to see uh, what Pep is going to have to do this Wednesday against Everton, um, being that he is chasing Liverpool. So they're going to have to take on that Everton team seriously. And hopefully maybe that will be a small edge for us heading into the weekend against them at home. All right. Well, that will do it. Now that the interruptions are over, we will get you out of here. But (laughs) until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying Get higgy with it. No, no, no. Oh, no. No, no. Oh, no. God. No, no. <laughs>